Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope. This is where you get to hear how to feel happy, balanced, and worthwhile. How to make that lonely ache vanish and feel empowered, confident, and secure. I'm Lauren Abrams, and I get to help you feel that magic again since going through my own dark night of the soul by chatting with incredible leaders, healers, and change agents who give you their message of hope after overcoming challenges of their own. And today we're talking to speaker, entrepreneur, and podcaster, Sam Lamott. You know that grass is always greener feeling, always wanting something else, to be someone else, wanting what someone else has, uncomfortable in your skin? You're tuned into the right place today because self-described college dropout and ex-meth head, Sam Lamott, who's actually super smart, is here helping you get aligned with who you are and where you're meant to be. He's truly worked through his stuff and now helps others do the same And he's got great ideas for you to get clarity in your life right now. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, Sam. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to get to chat with you. I got to meet you, hearing you speak on your stage, telling why you don't need to write your own memoir, which was really fun. It was fun (laughs) listening to you. So that's why I called you speaker and entrepreneur hearing about your new venture beside your podcast. But I love how you say, nobody's more genuinely curious about how to be a human being than you are. And I enjoyed listening to all these different episodes of Hello Humans. You get to talk to amazing people. So tell me why nobody's more genuinely curious than you are. And then I'll talk about why I did the whole grass is always greener part of the intro. Sure. Yeah. Well, it was great to meet you. My talk at the writer's event was called Don't Write Your Book, which was a lot of fun to give to a writer's retreat. I think, unfortunately, a lot of people left that talk wanting to write their book even more, which (laughs) was kind (laughs) of, that's kind of how I work. I'm a little trickster. So the talk was Don't Write Your Book, but it was really to, um, you know, for the people that need to write their book, they're not going to let a little talk stop them. So that's kind of the point of it. Yeah. My show is called How to Human. The company that produces the show is called Hello Humans, and everyone gets them mixed up. Uh, so I don't blame you. My mother gets them mixed up. But yeah, it's been a wild ride. Why is no one more genuinely curious of what it means? I think the one of the things I have to offer as a host is I'm not there pretending that I have the answers. I actually don't believe there are many concrete answers, especially when it comes to solving our own humanness. And I think when people are are searching out there, when they're on their phones, when they're looking for podcasts, when they're trying to find the next books to read, it's hard not to come from a place of wanting to solve our humanity, like wanting to come up with some solution to make us better than we are. And I think there's just a desire to be more than we are. And for me, part of the deal here is become really comfortable in my own skin, really comfortable in my own limitations. I am a competitor. I love to compete. I love to come home having worked my ass off, really letting letting it all out there and finding ways to be a better human. So it's not that I don't think improvement is possible, but there's a lot of things where, you know, I've just conceded like, yeah, you know, I have a sensitivity to this and I can work on it over the years and it can get better and I can get better at expressing how I react. That sensitivity to say, I don't know, I'm having trouble thinking of what I'm doing somewhat well at the moment. So it's, it's harder to, to grasp at something that I'm really unhappy with, but it'll come, you know, storms yeah. always come and just to accept like, oh yeah, you know, I think that's, you know, just a, a part of me 
and to learn how to love that too. So I'm curious, I didn't get a lot of great tools here. I was kind of, um, I was born to a single mom. My mom was, was great in many ways and also busy. And, you know, there's areas where I could have gotten maybe some more support. I was a drug addict for 10 years from 12 to 22. I think there must have been some good information that was taught in those years because I really felt like I missed out when I got sober and was just like an adult and expected to know things. And I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to be a boyfriend. I didn't know how to be a friend or an employee or, or anything. So the way I interview is out of genuine curiosity. I'm asking questions that I actually want the answer to. And on most days, I don't feel like I have it figured out. Well, some days I feel like I have it figured out, but on most days I don't. So, Yeah, you wake up at 22 years old in an adult body and you're like, I don't know that. <laughs> yeah, with a one and a half year old. Yeah. So. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, my kids were always uh, wanted, why aren't you famous? I want a famous mom and this and that. And I would come home and let them know, you should be grateful. I just, I'm in court hearing somebody's kids being taken away or something else. <laughs> and uh, I come home there and that's the whole grass is always greener. You, you want something, you think something is so much better someplace else. And it's always about getting comfortable with where you're at and who you are and, and wanting answers. And my podcast comes about with me going and interviewing people going, okay, what have you gleaned from living life? Why are we here? from a much older demographic and looking for answers. So it's why I, I enjoyed listening to your podcast so much and listening to you ask many questions of many different types of people. So this answer will probably change given the day because mine does, but which podcast episodes and who that you've interviewed really stands out right now? Ooh. Wow. I know, I know. Uh, it's such a hard question because my answers change all the time to that. I think the Paul Williams episode, which might be episode three, is probably the high watermark of my career. And I remember after editing that, because it was actually two conversations, we did two hours. And then at the end of it, he said, you know, I feel like I showed up as an entertainer. And by the end of it, I felt like, Paul, can we just do it again? And so we did two more hours. And then I basically edited the best of both. And that's just objectively once in a lifetime conversation. That was ridiculous or two conversations edited to appear as one. Yeah. Tim Ferriss even said that was the best podcast episode he listened to all year. So that's a great episode. There's episodes that affected me on a personal level since then. Most do. So we liberally will just not air episodes if they're not I'm not feeling it. Yeah, it's not mad yeah. there. 100%. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I am very unapologetic. If it's not worth people's times, I, I try not to air it. So most of the episodes that have aired, you know, and there's no schedule. We don't come out weekly. Sometimes there'll be, you know, generally once every two weeks, but sometimes so a month will go by. And if a month goes by, you know that we're not wasting your time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's what's happening if a month goes by. <laughs> I'm choosing not to waste your time with an episode that I don't think is worth it. So Richard Pimentel is an amazing human. I think everybody should know about. He basically helped, the president asked him um, with some other people to write the ADA. And that was after coming home from Vietnam, disabled, deaf, and uh, he got employed, but a lot of his friends had trouble getting employed. So instead of just saying, okay, well, I'll just get mine and everyone else can worry about theirs. He basically dedicated his life to, to helping his war buddies 
and fellow veterans get employed until the president said, hey, can you help me write uh, the American with Disabilities Act? Not many people know that history of the differently abled civil rights movement, but it's tremendous and it's huge. I mean, our access in this country to wheelchair access is unparalleled. I don't think there's another country in the world that does it as well as we do. So it's one of the few things that we can all agree, like, hey, you know, America is a really great place for people in wheelchairs, at least. Maybe not everybody. So he's a big hero. Frank Ostaseski on death and dying. You know, this is somebody who's gotten to watch thousands of people cross over and gotten to be there for them. That's pretty amazing. And it's so many others, personal heroes like Reggie Watts, Duncan Trussell, you know, comedic heroes who I love and I love their spirit. So many. It's it's hard to to list, but I could just keep going. I could take up the whole hour here. Yeah. How did you start off in podcasting? I had a blog and the blog had a bit of a following and I didn't want to blog anymore. And so I thought, well, what could I do to to still keep engaging with this cool community? So I came up with a podcast. I had always loved podcasts and I thought I could do a great job. I thought most of the podcasts I listen to have a pretty together host who like is some kind of expert or some kind of knowing person. And I thought, well, you know, it could be cool to be somebody who doesn't really know, right? And doesn't pretend to know. And maybe that would better better serve the listener to not always have to have an answer. Yeah. No, no, it's great. I half the time I think the the messages are for me and the learnings for me and I enjoy hearing it myself. So you talked when I heard you speak about your new venture, which I just thought was fabulous. Which I mean, you start off by saying why, if you want to write a memoir, you don't have to, you don't have to write your own book. And I thought listeners would just, and people who are on here, my community might really be interested in this. So you want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah. So we don't have an, we don't have an official title for them. We've been calling them living legacies, living legacy videos. It was basically, you know, we do a video podcast here once every two weeks. And we just thought, man, this is a lot of great equipment, just not doing anything. And what could we do with this that we would enjoy doing? And, you know, as somebody who likes learning from people's lives, we came up with this idea that we could do basically a memoir video. And the the way the process works is you come down to our studio, you bring all your journals, all your photos, roll out some butcher paper, and we just draw a timeline. And we write the, the year you were born. And we draw a line and we start putting down photos and journal entries along the way. And we start paying attention to what's unfolding. Life is such a epic odyssey. It's such an adventure and it's very easy to miss. You know, it's very easy to feel like, oh, well, well, my ups and downs are kind of mundane or they're kind of average. But when you develop the right eye for it, you can really see what's going on. And a little six month relationship, it might not have registered as anything important to your friends or your family, or even to you at the time. But if you start looking at it of like an adventure, you start to see like, wow, that's the relationship that you screwed up so badly at, you decided you were going to be a better partner. And that's actually what helped you become a great husband or a great wife or a great father is that, that moment. We basically just help people figure out before we even turn the cameras on, we spend about a week. It's not a cheap process, but it's the process that we like to do. And we spend about a week going through their life and figuring out what is the story here? Is this a, a love story? Is this an action adventure? 
Is this a, a story about self-discovery? Is you know what is the story here? And it's often you know combinations of of all of the genres, of course, which is why we have these genres and like telling these stories. But it's beautiful. And then we just simply turn the cameras on and we go through it, and we have these people tell their story. Most everybody can tell their story to a group of relatives, right? It's very natural to us. We're natural storytellers. If you say, "Okay, tell me the story about uh, your first stay away summer camp in Massachusetts," most people can tell you the story and in a way that's interesting. But as somebody who receives a lot of really bad memoirs and people who think I need to read their memoir, something gets lost when they're writing, right? And I actually have full faith that had the person who wrote a bad memoir treated it more like like speaking or maybe tried speaking their story and transcribing it and then polishing the writing, it would have come out much better. And so it's a process that we enjoy doing. We do less than 25 a year. We're pretty you know, selective of the ones we want to do. We're looking for somebody that's willing to capture their story in its fullness, which is why we don't do uh, memorial videos. And people have tried to hire us to do memorial videos and we go, no, they're dead. They can't tell us where they screwed up. I don't want to have a deified video. You know, I don't want a video that paints somebody to be a saint because none of us here are really saints. Yeah, definitely I want a video, not. Yeah, I want a video that helps your loved ones learn because you're willing to tell them where you succeeded and where you screwed up and where you fell short and where if you could do it all over again, you'd do something differently. And it's beautiful. There's opportunities for grandparents to tell their grandsons how to be a good husband in a way that they would never get the opportunity to in the natural way of life because they're not going to be around for it. And so that's been a really rewarding process. It's one of the paid services we do here that I look forward to every time. And I think that we must have done something right by coming up with something that we enjoy so yeah, much. Yeah, you so. light up when you talk about it. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, very, very much. So, okay, so you mentioned like it's one of the timeline things that and the relationships you learn from. So that's clearly, since that was like a pinpoint thing, are there certain lessons you've learned in your relationships definitely every yeah. single yeah, one yeah yeah def- yeah <laughs> there's one big one for me which was like i was so in love with this woman it was like my first real love and i just could not be the boyfriend she needed like i was just i didn't have the skills and so that heartbreak really was transformative and it's really important and if there's anybody who ever enjoys their company with me I kind of go, well, it kind of all goes back to being such a lousy boyfriend when I was 23. Uh, When you were 23. Yeah, I would imagine. Like, how would you know? (laughs) You said you got sober when you were 22 and you like woke up sleeping with a 13 year old, probably. Yeah, it was uh, it was unfortunate to fall so deeply in love with so little tools. But that's that's my story. Yeah, we learn from each of them. (laughs) Each relationship. Well, what's the hardest challenge that you've been through? and How'd you overcome it? God, that's tough. I've been through a lot of challenges and like my challenges became a really powerful story for why I was screwed up and why I would never be okay. And so I've worked really hard to acknowledge the the hardship and pain that I've been through and also not let it become uh, some get out of jail free card that I carry around with me anytime I'm not behaving the way my spirit would want me to behave, that highest version of myself dreams for me. So being a only child to a single mom was really challenging. That's a very common 
one that a lot of people who are probably listening know it's really tough. It's tough on everybody. It's tough on the mom. It's tough on the kid. So that was challenging. My mom being well-known was challenging. Like when your kids say, why aren't you famous? I feel like, well, let me talk to them. I'll tell, I'll set them straight <laughs> because my mom's work of being an artist has helped thousands and thousands of people. I mean, I hear it all the time. I hear from people who read a book of hers and really profoundly helped. And in some sense, like I paid the price for it. You know, our relationship paid the price for it because she had to do that work. And as an artist, I completely understand. And as a son, it's also like, damn, I wish I wish that wasn't the case. She's helped me uh, raise my son as a single father. So those are challenges. I, the amount of degrading, dehumanizing behavior I put myself through on drugs is another challenge. You know, the, some of the behaviors I did while I was high on drugs is, you know, things that feel unforgivable. Robbing, cheating, cheating stealing, hurting people. Even in sobriety as an adult, there's been challenges. There's been great heartbreaks. There's been losses I never thought I could recover from. And the more I get to know people, the more I interview people, the more I realize that like my great tragedies aren't that unique and that life is really tragic, I think, for everyone. Maybe not for everyone, but there's, you know, there's a a beauty to it and a richness to it and and also a very tragic element to it that everyone Everyone you know and everyone you love is going to die and not everyone's going to die well. Yeah, I think life is incredibly challenging. Yeah, yeah. And we all get through it. The only way through is through. That's it. Yeah. So somebody who knows that there's something they're meant to do and they're not doing it, like here, you took the leap, you're doing your podcast. There's this other, now you're telling life stories for a select 25 people about a year and and that lights you up. And somebody who knows that there's something they're meant to do and they're scared or they're not taking that leap or they're not taking steps in that direction, what would you tell them? Wow. Well, on my phone screen, it says, what is your choice? And then it says the pain of discipline or the pain of regret, (laughs) right? So I think one, if you're not if you're not doing that thing that you think you need to do, it is going to be incredibly painful. And the question is, what's more painful, going for it or not going for it? Because I think it's going to be painful either way. So it's really about choosing what kind of pain you want. I, in that arithmetic, I have chosen that looking back on this past year, 2022, and having lived in a way where I don't immediately feel regret and guilt and shame, uh, but instead can look through my journal and go, wow, that's really cool. Wow, we built a new a new studio location. That's amazing. We, you know, started a new branch of the business. We we did these things and they were really hard in the moment. I think that's the better pain. So what I'll tell you, tell anyone listening is that if they feel a burning calling towards something, if you don't do it, you're going to get sick. That's without a doubt. It will manifest in some sort of sickness and it could be mental. It could be physical. I think that the mind is pretty powerful, but it's not good for you. And I understand how scary it is to go for it or that there's not enough time in the day, but I would, I would make time and it doesn't take much to fulfill that, that calling. There are projects in my life that seem very big and if I work on them for a half hour a day, that fills the void. I don't get that sickness anymore. The project might not get done as fast as I would like, but even a half an hour a day can keep the regret demons away. What do you do about negative self-talk and the chatter? Negative self-talk has been an ongoing thing. It's 
much less than it was. So it does appear to be something that gets better and better over time as I go on. But there was a lot of conscious choices that went into that. Like I try not to tolerate it when I feel intrusive thoughts or scary thoughts. I try not to ignore it. I treat it like a clue. I think our feelings are clues. And your job is to be a be a detective. I mean, really what your job is is to figure out how to be the most you you can be. So my job every day is to be the most Sam I can be and to really try and capture and honor my Samness and express that in the world. When I have a big scary thought, rather than avoidant, you know, avoiding it, which is something that I have loved to do in life. I think that's a big reason why I love drugs so much. I try to figure out why it's there. And taking that kind of approach of going, why is that? Not going, ah, my brain is so messed up for having this thought, but to go, why is that the case? And to honor it, in some sense, it's treated my depression. It's treated my anxiety. It's like holistically healed me in ways I could have never dreamed of. You know, going from somebody who would get institutionalized once a year, sober, and have to get put on new medication and to, you know, for the last three or four, five years being really, really well, it was a lot of work, but it was a lot of work of figuring out, okay, what's this about? What am I doing that's so out of alignment with myself that it's manifesting in these horrible, horrible feelings? There's other instances that I think are works in progress. Like whenever I do something really big or heroic, like when I gave the talk, whenever that was last Saturday or two Saturdays ago, I could not appreciate the talk I gave for like two days. And part of my character is I, I really want to improve. So to say, you know, this year is when I actually decided like I want to learn the skill of stagecraft. I know I can deliver a beautiful audio message. I've, I've done it for five years. I want to not only be able to deliver a beautiful audio message, I want to be able to do that with presence on a stage, real time. And so the first thing that happened when I stepped off the stage is, you know, my my crew, my posse came by and they were just, hey, this is great. And people came and said, thank you so much for your talk. Uh, but in my mind, I could see all the ways of like, oh, you know, I didn't show up with enough presence. The audience's energy was low and I kind of met them there rather than, you know, bringing them back up. I saw all the ways I could improve and it took a took a day or two to actually get that all out of my system and then go, hey, you know, that wasn't so bad. Yeah, no, you were great. <laughs> yeah, you were really good. I'll just sit here because I don't have anywhere to go. I'm out of town and I had no expectations and you were high energy, you were great. So it's really funny how our heads tell us whatever they tell us like yeah and i was like oh my god you have to be on the podcast <laughs> and i'm very picky so interesting how our heads do whatever yeah. they do do you journal do you meditate do you run and i hate running but no offense to anybody who runs i, I hike i i try to be outside make sure i get outside at least once a day for my mental health and things like that so no offense but i'm just not somebody who's runs yeah, yeah i do really well with structure i do really well with routine I think journaling is more than a hobby. I think it's a probably the most healing thing I've ever done in my life is to take journaling seriously and at the end of each day to reflect upon that day and to figure out like what made today special and what do I want to bring forward into the next day and where could I have done better? So I journal. I used to journal when I felt well. Now I try to just journal regardless. I try to journal every single day 
and I have a daily journal where each page has a date printed in the corner. So if I miss a day, it's right there. It's like glaringly empty. I exercise and I try to meditate. I try to do a lot of group activities. So I try to, I think we're social animals. I think we're herd animals. And so I don't do the podcast alone. I don't write alone. I don't do recovery alone. I really try and use the power and wisdom of groups and herds to improve my life. And I hope one day that we have communities that are are more like what I imagine is the natural way to express ourselves as a mammal. I think we're supposed to be helping each other raise each other's kids and sharing strength when others feel weak. And we've walled ourselves off. Literally, we've, we've built walls around us, separating us from our neighbors and communities. So I try to just use as much of that as I can. I think that that's my superpower is doing yeah. it, not doing it alone. Yeah, that's absolutely. I love that you say that because the number one message, I, I compiled all my messages, I hope, from the first 52 weeks. And the number one message is community, that we yeah. need community. We need to be together. The blue zones where people live the longest and the healthiest is because of community. I like warm climates and everything. It's not warm climate. <laughs> Do you have a message I hope you want to give? I am somebody who has felt suicidal at times. I'm somebody who has felt I will never recover from this. And I am just a huge believer in just doing the next right thing and seeing where that takes you. And to just keep going, the odds of you getting to be and express yourself as a human being in 2022 on planet Earth is ridiculous. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. 400 years ago, beds weren't really a thing. And if you had a bed, you shared it with your whole family. And now almost everybody has a bed. And there are, there are people who don't have beds, and I acknowledge that. But like the way we live is absurd. We live like royalty lived thousands of years ago. We have hot water on tap. Most of us have clean drinking water. Most of us have beds and warm rooms that we can sleep in. And to look at that and to, go, and to still feel like, oh, well, you know, life is meaningless and terrible. Well, that's part of the human condition. So get over it because, you know, things could be a whole lot worse and you'd still probably feel that and things could be a whole lot better and you'd still probably feel that. So it's not the stuff that we're talking about. You probably have access to more stuff and more prosperity than 99.9% of any human being that ever walked the face of the earth. But to recognize that life is really hard and that's okay. You can lean into that to recognize that it's a little better with other people. So maybe start inviting people in and to recognize that your feelings matter and they're probably clues. And this is a demonstration I give to my son all the time, but I say, Hey, you know, this is my kind of problem with, with habitual drinking or habitual pot smoking or habitual drug use. If you go to a job that you hate every day and you do something that you don't enjoy and you come home and after work to get over the feelings of non-enjoyment, you drink a beer and it helps you forget how much you hate the job and it helps you go to bed and then you wake up and you can do it all over again. What's the problem? The beer, the alcohol, the weed, whatever you're using to numb out Netflix, Instagram, that's not the problem. I mean, that's a symptom of the problem, but the problem is that you're not paying attention. You're ignoring the source of the pain. For some people, the source of pain could be Instagram or it could be, you know, the thing that they're using to numb out. But to really take your feelings seriously and to find somebody that can take your feelings seriously. And if you're miserable, like I believe you, 
you're miserable, I believe you. And I believe that there's probably plenty of good reasons. I have a victim story that could get any therapist to co-sign all of my problems. You know, that's kind of one of my gripes with the modern therapeutic environment. I have a therapist who I love, who I pay to be tough on me because just affirming everything is, you know, they'll affirm your <laughs> misery <laughs> if you're not careful and you're, you know, you sell, you sell a good enough story to why you're fucked up. They'll let you be permanently fucked up, you know? So if you're miserable, I believe you. And I also believe that there's messages trying to tell you where to go and where you should be. And it might not make a ton of sense. You know, it might mean taking a, a slight pay cut, or it might mean leaving your spouse that you don't think you'll ever do better than, or it might mean who knows what. But yeah, I, you know, I'm definitely not one to talk people out of their feelings. If, you know, if, if you think life is amazing, or if you think life is terrible, like, I believe you, I believe that's reality for you. And whatever you focus on grows. So <laughs> yes, it definitely helps to focus on. I think gratitude is a great practice. It definitely helps to focus on what's going right. Yeah. And everything really is happening for your highest good. Oh, I keep hearing that lately. I'm leaning into it. I'm figuring it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> it yeah. definitely is. Is there anything that I should have asked you that will be done and be like, oh, Lauren didn't even ask me this or give me a chance to talk about that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. No, I, you know, I say yes to everything I can because I, I love to see how other shows run and I love to meet other hosts. And this uh, work back here, which is an eight part serial is actually a collaboration I have with two other podcast hosts of just being on their show. No, there's nothing that I felt like you should ask. Everybody has, has different questions. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much for being a guest today. I'm 52 Weeks of Hope. Thanks for having me. And I hope that the listeners got something out of this and hello. Hope you have a great day if you're listening to this and get in contact if you if you want to. I'm I'm reachable. You can email me at sam at hellohumans.co and I'll get back to you within the month. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and all all Sam's contact information and everything will be, of course, listed on the website and the show notes and everything else. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you Sam's messages of honesty, connection, and patience with yourself. Such great messages to take into your week ahead. Remember to focus on the good. Surround yourself with positive people. You can be your authentic self with. Practice positive self-talk and get outside at least once a day for your own mental well-being. If you're on the email list, I gave some great gratitude practices and why practicing gratitude elevates your vibration and it's been proven to make you happier. There's just a bunch of really good tips if you're on the email list. If you're not, just go to 52weeksofhope.com, the number 52 weeksofhope.com and it's really easy to get on the email list that way be kind to yourself this week give yourself patience and compassion at least treat yourself as well as you would your own friends or at least your dog and be sure to tune in next week for another empowering episode all about how to live abundantly authentically and mindfully learn how to get rid of that empty feeling and to tap into your inner joy and feel the magic of life again it's a great episode i've got a really good guest that i got to talk to you're gonna love her also something news coming i'm gonna start inviting some of you onto my show for these confidence and clarity boost sessions you can just hit reply and let me know if you feel like you're struggling you can use a little bit of a boost and you might be interested in this here's who it's going to be ideal for if you feel burnt out 
jealous because you see others doing what you really want to do, scared, you've got FOMO, life's passing you by, you feel like you don't fit in, you feel like you don't really belong, especially with what it is that you're doing right now, and your inner critic is going nonstop then this is probably going to be right for you. It's going to be a safe space, first names only. You know your identity is secure. I am a lawyer. I'm going to keep your your identity secure. You don't have to worry about it. I'm going to protect you. It'll be a very safe space. And so if you want to jump in and be first in line to be on the list to do something like this, just hit reply, let me know. And we're going to start a little bit of a wait list before we have the actual signups open to everybody. You can be in the beta group. So just let me know if you're interested in doing that. That'll be really fun and it should be helpful to a lot of people. And you have an opportunity to get in first. So have a great week. I can't wait for you to hear next week's episode. Let me know if there's anything else that we can help you with or specific topics that you'd like to hear. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, share it with a couple of your friends. Bye.